I'm Rukosa, the boom boss, and I'm the founder and owner of The Perfect Push, which is a lactation and parenting wellness clinic in Redmond. And basically what we do, or I shouldn't really say basically, there's nothing basic about what we do in our basis. Um, but I created The Perfect Push in, with the desire to give families comprehensive care to have them have a place where they could get all their parenting needs from the time that they found out they're expecting through the first year and beyond. Just have a really good support system, referral base, um, and just have a central hub where they knew that their um, concerns, their every little part of what they cared about was our priority and just making sure that they, were, they felt heard and that they felt seen and really enjoyed the miracle that is childbirth. Mm-hmm. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Such a nurturing um, wraparound service that you're providing. I think we met each other in about 2015 and you were organizing a breastfeeding event. Um, yes. Do you have any, I know, I think it might've even broken a record or something. Do you want to speak to that for just a minute? Oh my God, you're taking me away. That was like five years ago. <laughs> how, look how far we've come five years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God, that is wild. Yeah. You know, we started out with it and back then it was the, oh, what did we call it? The live, love, latch. Mm-hmm. Um, breastfeeding, we did it. Um, we did an event in Marymore Park just to celebrate breastfeeding um, week. And it was just really important to me because, again, focus on lactation, focus on breastfeeding, and just knowing how important it is for babies to breastfeed and how challenging it can be for families to be able to successfully breastfeed. It was important for, for me to have a community event that was focused on just that and brought attention to it and started normalizing breastfeeding. Um, I think one of my favorite sayings is anytime is the breast time and just creating a community where women feel no matter where they are, no matter what time it is, no matter who's around, they can breastfeed. Mm -hmm. They can just, you know, give their baby the nourishment and the food that they need. So that was in 2015. I believe you actually came in and gave massages for us, which is amazing. Um, we had maybe five or six vendors and this year in August, we had actually partnered up with parent map and we're super, super excited, um, to have the fifth Northwest family. It's now the Northwest family fest last year. We had over 70 vendors and over, I think two or 3000 people showed up, which was, you know, coming from five years ago, I was like, oh my God. Um, but because of COVID, we will not be holding it this year. We're going to take a little bit of a pause and a break um, just to recognize the gravity of you know, the situation with COVID, regroup, and we're hoping and praying that next year we can come back much, much bigger, much, much better um, with the same purpose of just com- co- connecting um, expectant and new families with community, community resources, and supporting small community businesses as well. So beautiful. Um, It was really sweet. Yeah, I remember I took my massage chair down there and I met families that were interested in practicing massage with their infants. And so quite a few people signed up for a workshop that I offered at Bala Yoga. And um, I think one dad came and it was super sweet. Um, 
but yeah, thanks for that opportunity. Um, oh, you're so welcome. I wanted to ask you really about what you love most about the work that you do. Obviously you're passionate about it and you really have an amazing vision about support, supporting families. And I'd love to hear, you know, what you love most about your work. That is not work. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is what I love most about it is, you know, after working for, you know, since I was 19 and constantly, you know, jobs and time clocks and repetitive, you know, monotonous work to do something that I would do even if I wasn't getting paid. Mm -hmm. It's a calling that for you. Yeah, that's what I love about it so much. And I was talking to a dad the other day and it was just one of those blase day for me. For me. And I remember thinking, oh, I have to get up, I have to go to work. And once I got there, it was like, yay, I'm here. And um, I was saying to them, I was like, the day I don't want to physically be in this building or physically be, you know, at the perfect push or doing what I'm doing, is then I will know it's mm -hmm. time to move on. Yeah. Um, and I've never felt like that. I absolutely love what I do. And I would have to say it's because it isn't work. I don't feel like I could ever work too hard. I don't feel like I could ever work enough um, because it's just, it literally feeds my soul. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can feel that. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel that, you know, with, with the posts that you share and the passion that you bring. I want to know who it has been your support system. I know that you have a team of people that help and I know your husband's really involved. So mm -hmm. love to hear about your support team. Oh, I have, I have the best, the best support system. Um, I think because I've been talking about some version of the perfect push forever. I think most people who've been in my life for probably, um, um, I would say 12 or more years have heard something about the perfect push or some vision of mine. And I think that's probably why the support system is so great is because, and I'm a talker. I pretty much talk about everything that I'm going through, everything that I'm thinking all the time. So those that are closest and nearest to me have heard about the perfect bush before it was even called the perfect bush. And so I think they just share the excitement of watching it all unfold before their eyes, because constantly I'll be talking to something like, Oh my God, do you remember when you were talking about this? Or we're having a conversation right now and you're like, Rude, do you remember when you wanted to do a festival? <laughs> And now look what it is. And so I think it's just, I've always had just the blessing of being surrounded by people who cheered me on, never called me crazy, even when I'm like, y'all know that was crazy. <laughs> um, and just really great family for my husband, um, to my husband's family, just everybody always comes through. Um, yeah, and just cheers me on and lifts me up and tells me I cannot quit. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Family. So before we started our call today, I know we talked a little bit about um, your unique background and I'm, I'm sure some of your um, experiences growing up um, have informed your how and why as a provider. And I'd love to hear more about your vision for people of color and for providers local providers, how they can, um, you know, provide respectful support. 
Yeah, so I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. I moved here for college when I was about 18, 19 years old. Um, and I would probably say I moseyed through um, undergrad, grad school, probably in a little bit of a state of oblivion. I think not having been born and raised here, there were a lot of things that were either said to me or things that happened to me that looking back, they always say hindsight is twenty twenty. You look back and you're like, hmm, that, that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. But at the time when those things were happening, in my mind, my mind never went to a place of that's dis you know, discriminatory, um, there's a disparity, you know, there's a racial um, component to this. My mind really wasn't trained to go there because that was not my reality growing up. I grew up in a country where even though I was a person of color, which is a huge deal here, um, in terms of how people see you and how people treat you, we were the majority, right? So it really wasn't something that was ingrained in my mind to be an issue. And then I had children and started really paying attention to, as I became more, you know, embedded in the healthcare field and started really paying attention to what was going around on around me. And I would probably say a huge, okay, you may be able to say, you know, maybe not me, maybe not me. And probably because I wasn't really reading into the situations the way I should have been. But I think the year that Trayvon Martin was shot, I just feel like for many people, you know, we were like, okay, th is this really happening? Then I became a mother to boys. Yeah. And I was like, oh crap. And every single time something like that happens, it's like, wow, those could very easily be my sons. And what is this world that we're creating? Yeah. And then to be as passionate as I am about women's health and to seriously keep reading story after story after story about women who look just like me, you know, having what should be the most joyous moment of their lives turn into a living nightmare and become a fatality. Yeah. Just does not make sense to me. Like I, I don't know. I don't care how we skin this America. Like what are we doing? And the statistics are just, they're sickening and they're saddening and they're maddening. I think more than anything else, they're just maddening. And in 2018, I went home. Um, my dad got really sick and I went home. And I remember being in the hospital where he was being taken care of and it was a private hospital, quote unquote. And just watching how dire the situation was and how powerless I was at even being able to, you know, to help and coordinate care and do anything. And just watching as a female, um, as a female provider, a lot of, you know, it's still a very uh, patriarchal society. And I remember his doctor saying little girl to me. I was like, wow. I am his little girl. Yeah. Definitely not yours. Right. And my brother, who's an anesthesiologist, flew down from Wales and literally said verbatim everything I had said. And everybody just scuttled 
to do what he had asked for. And I was like, are you serious? And Zimbabwe is a third world country. There is no healthcare infrastructure to even talk about. Why does the United States of America, with all the luxuries and all the opportunities and all the resources we have, why are women of color dying at rates that are similar to countries like Zimbabwe? Why? How is this okay? How have we let this go on and on and on? And it still be okay. So after my dad died, um, I came back and I was like, okay, enough is enough. And started laying around to start the Perfect Pledge Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I think like most things when I'm like, okay, I can't find a way. It's like, let's create a way. <laughs> if there's nothing that I can see that's making sense to me. It's like, let's just create it and go from there. So we started the Perfect Push Foundation. I've got an amazing board of amazing women from all over the world. Um, it's a very, I like to call it a colorful board because that's what it is. And it represents, you know, women from here, from providers um, to just international citizens um, and just stakeholders. We are all women who know how important it is that all women have an amazing experience and a safe experience and that all women feel like they're heard and they're taken care of, especially at their most vulnerable time when they're having a baby. So we were supposed to be having our inaugural gala on May 29th and then COVID. So we've pushed that to 2021. Um, and are just spending a lot of time just, you know, setting up the infrastructure and making sure that when 2021 comes, we're ready to go because we're not actively working on anything with everything going on. We just gave the board a little bit of a respite because I feel like everybody's just so overwhelmed with everything. I know I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, and just give us enough time to just regroup and take a step back. But in basically, our goal with the foundation is to address the infant and maternal mortality affecting communities of color. And I think the only way that we're truly gonna do that in an impactful and permanent way is we need more providers of color. And I'm not just talking about doctors, I'm talking about um, lab techs, I'm talking about research scientists, I'm talking about respiratory therapists, lactation consultants, doulas, you know, your physicians, your nurse practitioners, your PAs, your nurses, everybody on every single level, we just need more people of color in the room. We -hmm. need more people of color in leadership. We need more people of color on the table. And our foundation basically is going to be providing grants and scholarships to students of color, um, pursuing any field that would help turn around the statistics, that would have a positive impact on those um, statistics. And I think of as a lactation consultant, I'm super excited um, to provide free training to lactate and mentoring to lactation mm-hmm. consultants mm-hmm. so we can get more to train um, doulas so we can get more doulas out into the community and just really support a lot of internship and summer programs for young kids. Because we know when we start instilling the belief in them from a young age, which is where I think I was able to, um, you know, live in my little world of oblivion as I, when I got here is because when I was in Zimbabwe growing up, no one ever told me every single day from the time that I could understand something that I couldn't, that I was good for nothing, that I would not achieve, 
that I was not destined for greatness. Literally, all I was ever told is you can, you will, you shall. Well, you're living up to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> So how do we instill those same values, right? How do we instill the same beliefs in, in our young, young men and women, right? Um, we need to expose them to more people, more providers that look and sound just like them. I will never forget. I took my son to get his um, tongue tie released um, by Dr. Keith McDonald. And he is a dentist out in Renton. He has an office in Renton and in um, West Seattle, a kid's place dentistry. And we had been working together. We'd been emailing back and forth. I'd been sending him patients. Yeah. And it never occurred to me. And again, living in Washington State, Keith McDonald, never occurred to me that he was black. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter one way or the other. He, yeah. My patients had great results. I just loved his work. I was like, he's great. We had great rapport over the phone. I was like, do you mind taking, um, taking a look at my son? Mm. And we got there and I remember even being like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Like, you know, yes. When we see, when you see someone, you're you're like, yes. (laughs) But everything about my son changed. Mm -hmm. Everything. And generally, you know, I always have them engage people. I try very hard to make my children social. If anybody knows me, they know me. Like say hi, introduce yourself, and um, I love it when they ask questions and engage people. And normally he'll ask some silly question or nothing that really, you know, you can tell. It's you know, so what's that video game or something just really playful? Mm. And he said to him, "How do you manage such a busy day?" Oh, I I had to take a step. I was like, "Wow." And he goes, yeah, what do you do? You have so many people. How do you take care of so many people at once? And I was like, okay. And you could tell his, his little mind was spinning. Yeah. And in that way of, okay, he's this and he can do that. What does it mean? He could see himself. Mm. Literally. That. I cannot begin to explain to people how much of a big change we can make in children's lives mm-hmm. when they can imagine themselves in every and any shoe out there. Mm-hmm. But when it's never occupied by anybody who looks like you or anybody you know or anybody who lives around you, it's pretty hard to imagine. Yeah. So I'm really excited to be able to support you know, students of color to just allow them to open up their minds so that they can go places and places they may not be able to physically travel, especially right now with COVID, but just allow their minds to wander as far and wide as they possibly can. Yeah. It sounds like your son had a really powerful moment with a, you know, a provider of color and that, it certainly stuck out in your mind and you, you noticed that it had an impact on him. He, he up-leveled the kind of questions that he was engaging with. Yeah. He asked a question from, from his point of view, from his purview, like how would this impact who, what does this mean for me? Mm-hmm. And to not allow, to not have students of color coming up in an environment that allows them to see themselves in those situations in those places 
is just, it's sad and it's not right. Mm -hmm. So I feel if we can increase the number of providers of color, um, if we increase the number of providers of color mentoring students of color so that they can see they really truly can be anything they need to be and not just on TV in yeah. real life. Um, I think it'll make a difference overall. So that is the goal of the foundation. That's what we're working on. Um, yeah, I just feel one student, one provider at a time, we can really make a big difference. And from the provider lens, um, I think literally increasing cultural competency within a workplace a lot of times is going to be a result of infusing culture into the workplace. So you need to have more people at the same level. You need to have more people of color above the standard generic level so that everybody can start to see that this is the norm and that there is difference mm-hmm. and that not work culture doesn't need to conform to a pre, pre-prescribed way of being, way of doing things. I think if you come into the Perfect Bush Clinic, the one thing you'll say is quite unusual. You know, I am, what you see is what you get. I love mm-hmm. to laugh. I love to have fun with my patients. It's like mm-hmm. your home, welcome, welcome to my home. Mm-hmm. And it's a very cultural clinic um, based on the way I grew up and how welcoming and what we do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people love it, but I don't necessarily think if they hadn't taken the chance to come in and to see it, right. they wouldn't have known that that's a thing. You can actually, it's okay. You yeah. can navigate the world in that sense. Hospitality, so think, warmth, and professionalism. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't, and loudness. There's a little dash of loudness here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So I think just allowing people, I had to create my own space to be fully who I am, to show up yeah. as myself every single day. I had to create my own space. Yeah. Now, not all of us are privy to being able to do that, nor do all of us want to do that or want the ulcers that result from doing that. So how do we as um, business owners and how do these big companies and hospital systems and healthcare systems, how do they really authentically integrate culture and integrate other people into a system that has for so long being very vanilla? Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, there's been a lot of changes in the Redmond area. We've lived here for about 22 years Mm -hmm. and the diversity, I know there was diversity in Seattle before, but you know, many of the high tech companies and, and family members that have come along, you know, it's really changed the landscape. Um, I'm sure the opportunities and, you know, employment has, it still has a long way way to go. I'm, I'm curious about the ways that you're able to support families of color and different backgrounds in your clinic in particular because the entrepreneur I like I totally feel your entrepreneur spirit you're creating an authentic environment so I'm curious about how how you are able to like embrace people of color and of different culture um it's so it's so interesting and so challenging I think part of the another reason why I wanted to start the foundation is because we don't really serve well you know what I like we have a huge, from the lactation sample, we definitely have a huge, you know, East Indian population, Asian population as well that we serve. Um, 
but definitely not a huge uh, Black or Latinx or even Native American population that we see in our clinic in the Redmond area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say from a cultural standpoint, it's always been important to me to know what is your culture? Like, what do you want? I think anytime we send an intake out for our patients, it always asks what cultural care is important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to have people show up as who they are and respect that. Right? Yeah. Um, and also, but the best way to do that is kind of ask them in the first place. So what is this? If it's not something that you understand or something, you know, that's, Um, native to you so we really do try and accept people for who they are um, race gender sexuality um, show up as who you are Mm. and unapologetically so because that's the only way that we can give you the perfect wish that we can deliver the service that we promise to give you is if we know where you're coming from so we never miss the mark yeah, just by asking the question, it encourages them um, and empowers them to actually speak up. Um, because if they don't speak up, you you can't read minds. <laughs> no, we absolutely cannot hit, hit um, read minds. <laughs> so it's yeah, it's been super super helpful to just be very upfront with my patients and just ask what they want. What why why are you here and what are you looking for? What would make this a successful visit for you? Um, yeah, so we're definitely very, very customer service oriented. Um, I keep saying to my patients, we right now have a across the board any review site where five stars. I'm like, the day it drops, I think I literally will have a heart attack because mm-hmm. you know we we do try, we try really, really hard to make sure that we we are not missing the mark, and when we do that, we make up for it. Yeah, you're striving for excellence. I yeah. totally feel that. Um, I wanted to know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you would like to mention um, and how people can connect with you. Um, no, I think we've covered it. We've covered it up pretty well. Um, how are you doing in times of COVID? It's been, it's been crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, my massage studio, I'm just taking a pause. I'm kind of joking that I'm taking a sabbatical. Um, You know, PPE is hard to come by. And most of the clients that I see are not in urgent need. It's more for maintenance, relaxation. Um, And I'm certainly looking to help people with self-care that's practical that they can do at home. I think the need for downtime, stepping away from electronics, spending time in nature, learning how to do your own, you know, self-massage and (laughs) relaxation techniques at home. I mean, I think it's critical for well-being. And I'm, I'm starting to see more coaching clients. And so, you know, like I, like you, I'm an entrepreneur. And so I'm willing to be flexible and carry that thread. Like I love the postpartum and prenatal parent coaching that I do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm looking to surf people mostly online right now. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah. It's, it's been an interesting, interesting time of pivoting. Mm-hmm. Um, we've definitely had to, we do lactation consults online. We do prenatal visits. A lot of our doula support right now has moved to the online platform. And I mean, it's great because that's all we have. 
but it's definitely not, you know, my preference. I love just, I'm touchy-feely. I want to be, you know, there with the patients and um, just for it to be a little bit more intimate than we're getting right now. But I'm just so amazed at how our new families and our expecting families have just adjusted and, you know, are dealing with the cards that they've been dealt and saying, this is what it is. And now we've just got to move on. So it's been very interesting to watch, um, to watch everybody kind of transition through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally get you with the touchy feely. <laughs> it's hard. To I know do- you're a massage <laughs> therapist. Like how do you, you must be going crazy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely crazy. You know, I have the gardening and I have the podcast and um, I, I'm certainly open to working with clients around creating, you know, the nest environment, mm-hmm. the best environment for their kids. You know, we're just all doing the best that we can. So self-compassion is huge. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great skill for uh kind of recovering perfectionists as well as parents. I think it's just so important. Yeah. I love that recovering perfectionist. <laughs> One day I will be going into rehab for that. I'm pretty sure I, I sooner rather than later. Um, no, it's been my pleasure. I thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm on Instagram as the real boo boss. So okay. catch up with me there. Um, and we now have a weekly. I now I keep saying we, Um, Because I'm so used to working in a team. I love working with a team. But I now have a weekly show, Mm -hmm. um, Bumps, Babies, and Boots. And that's been doing really, really well. And just getting providers like yourself. So you know you're going to be getting a call from me. Um, Just getting everybody together and getting more information out to new and expectant parents. Just because they can't get to the information the way that they used to. And how do we find a concise way to make sure everybody has the information they need? They're getting questions that are pertinent answered and in ways that relate to the changes and the environment that we're in. So yeah, we're covering everything from, I think our first show was on birth centers. This week, we're going to be talking to a Swiss formula company and just, you know, diving into why parents are um, choosing to import formula from Europe as opposed to give their babies American formula and everything in between. I love hearing from my families and love hearing what they're concerned about and finding somebody to come and talk to them about it. So it's definitely filled up my days because I don't like not being busy. So it's been going great. And I'm so grateful that to have an audience to be able to do that. Yeah. It's so, it's so important for people to have their questions answered. There's a lot of a lot of uncertainty right now and I can imagine and have a lot of empathy for families um, and the hospital staff and the birthing centers and just yeah. all the providers, you know, you, you really, you're lifesavers, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. We are trying one baby at a time, one boob, one bump, one baby at a time. We're definitely yeah. trying to make